Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to Honey and Hustle. We are a visual podcast that features conversations with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and those in the nonprofit community. We're so glad that we started sharing our podcast here on Anchor FM. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and it will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on all the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you're listening to this right now, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and we're just going to dive right in uh, onto probably what most people know you for, both online and in person, which is your book and your work, um, speaking about how people can both win the hour and win the day. So can you talk to me a little bit about how your work has led you to write that book and now what uh, life has been like for you as an entrepreneur since that book has been published and what you're working with people on right now? Yeah, thank you so much, Angela. So I like most entrepreneurs, when I started like oh, 12, 15 years ago, I started as a marketing strategist and I was working insane hours when I first started. Like, you know, it was just a grind. And I wore that with a badge of honor. Like, that's the deal. You got to grind it out, right? So about two years in, I realized, hmm, I, I was starting to lose some of my charm. Two years without sleep and you get a little bit edgy, right? So moving the story forward, I realized like that just could not be. And so what happened is I took, uh, I, it really went from 16 hours a day down to six. And that did not happen overnight. That's a story all on its own. But luckily it did uh, because a couple of years after that, my husband had uh, been diagnosed with colon cancer and I'd been pulled away from the business for about two years. And when I returned, my existing clients had no idea of my absence, uh, nor did the local business community. No, everybody was shocked. And because so, it was just not something we gave attention to or made public or whatever, we just had a very positive uh, aspect to his journey. So people started to approach me very gently under the capacity of, you know, the fragility of life. And if I could do that, maybe I could help them get to their kids' soccer games and stop working evenings and weekends and just grinding it out. And so I started to work with entrepreneurs um, under that capacity. And man, they just got such relief. And I realized how many of them were in such isolation. You guys know who you are. You're, you're just way, you're working way past everyone. Your home goes to bed and you get up earlier and stuff like that. And so then I thought, how can I help more people? And so I wrote the book and kind of snowballed from there. And now we have coaching and we've got the fantastic new 
winner's circle, which I guarantee you would just get a, a huge out, a lot out of, um, people tell me all the time they get back 25 hours a week within the first month of working with us. So that's kind of how I landed here. Nice. Nice. So you touched on, um, really two things that I think people here can relate to. Uh, and this is outside of the pandemic. Obviously, this is just in life in general. Um, it's very easy to overextend yourself in working. It's very easy to get caught up in the grind and the hustle and thinking that you have to be available and just on at all times of the day. And that is not sustainable. And I think sometimes people learn that a little bit too late. So I'm hoping that people, whoever is listening to this now is really catching this in a place where like, yo, I don't want to, I don't want to get to a place where I'm missing major family milestones and major moments with my family because I'm so caught up in work. You know, there's life outside of work. Work is meaningful. It's great when you have work that you're passionate about, but that's not all we are as people, you know, that's not what people that love us, love us for. They love us for who we are. So when it comes to really defining your value proposition, you said somebody actually came to you when they found out that you had taken time off work to be with your husband and they wanted that for smaller moments, you know, mm -hmm. soccer games, dinners, date nights, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, so when it came to defining your audience and defining your value proposition for your audience, what were some of the key things that you started to tease out as you were talking with people? Yeah, you bring up some really good points, Angela. What you really need to do is listen, right? Like you need, sometimes people ask you things. And at first when they started asking me that, I thought, well, that's not what I do. And then I was like, well, okay. But I, I really cared about what they were asking me. And I thought, yeah, I could help. So so really just listening to what people ask or asking you is really the number one thing. And you'll find, you know, we all have this agenda of like, oh, I do this and I do it for these people. And then somebody asks you this, and oh, no, no, I don't. But if that's where it's taking you and that's where the business is taking you and you think, yeah, I could do that, then it, defining it uh, is one way of describing it. Sometimes receiving your value proposition is, is another way. Because in my case, what I realized ever so quickly was how counterproductive all those hours were. You're right. Um, your business is there to support your life, not consume it. And I believe that you should have a business that you love and people and your, in your life and your family shouldn't pay a price for that. So, you know, under those guys too, I think it's really important to address that um, most people, most entrepreneurs are just trapped in the web of admin. And we believe in the win formula where you're in execution mode 60% of the time. And that means 60% of the time execution equals income where admin is the enemy of revenue. So really listen to people when they ask you questions, because that's where the information is and that's where the money is. And that's where the free time is because it all sort of connects together. Um, so one quick thing of note here, um, what you kind of touched on too is how you found your niche. If people will call it a niche, if people will call it, um, you know, your calling or what you're known for now. And you got to that through listening, but before people were talking with you, you shared a little bit about yourself and something that really probably most of what you shared probably had nothing to do with your business itself. Cause like you said, you're like, this isn't what I do helping people, mm -hmm. you know, get back their time. That's not my focus or it hadn't been up until that point. But when it comes to people who may be considering creating a personal brand, putting more of their personal story out there or creating a creative platform in the words of Jay Klaus, um, what advice would you have for people who 
are looking to find ways to get comfortable sharing their story? Yeah, that's a really great question because I will tell you the truth. It was a real hard push for me. I had to have a lot of people up in my face really talking to me about sharing my story because I didn't want it to define me or my husband. That's just like him passing away was not the big thing he did in his life. He was so much more than that, right? And so I felt that that was irrelevant or I didn't, I just didn't want to share that. It wasn't about it being sad or I was uncomfortable with it. I just, I don't know. I just thought it it wasn't relevant to the story. And then everyone kept saying to me, but Chris, otherwise you're going to just be a productivity person. And and like, this is the story. And I'm like, okay. So I had this misconception misguided idea of you here's your personal life and here's your work life and and I didn't I'm just gonna be honest I didn't want to sound like I was whining about something or minimizing something and so learning how to blend those two worlds and it's been really hard because social media sort of forced us into that and but 10 years ago perhaps even as short as 10 years ago we didn't have to do that so much so I think for me and maybe a lot of you guys out there too is you have this veneer of you put your shoulders back and think I'm going to be a grown up professional here and here's how I'm going to present myself. And that's how I wanted to do it. And I was like, okay, to be a professional and represent myself, then that story doesn't belong here. So I think it's just understanding, talk to people. And I don't like the word authentic because nobody would be inauthentic, but sort of be relaxed about how, you know, talking to people one-on-one, one-on-one, even when you're on social media, I had to learn to not sound like I was presenting, but just speaking to one person. So that was a real climb I had to make. Yeah, I think that presenter voice, that is something a lot of people can relate to. Um, and it's not that it's fake. It's not that it's not you, but it's just a part of you or a side of you that you have come to think that other people expect in a professional sense. When they're asking you things about your career, about your life, about your work, we think that we have to put on this, like, what do people want to hear? How can I add value? Um, And sometimes we get so wrapped up in thinking about our audience, we forget to think about us. You know, at the end of the day, you're just a person talking to another person. And so you kind of have to find a way to blend together. Like, yes, you know, I want to maintain a professional relationship that doesn't have everybody all in my business asking me about something I really don't want to talk about that often, but also um, create a connection with people by just being honest. Um, so going back to your book, when the hour, when the day, that is something that, you know, came out of a lot of people asking you about how can I get my time back? How can mm-hmm. I decrease the amount of time that I'm spending on admin work, myself included, Jesus Christ, cannot stand <laughs> waking up to thousands of emails that only I can answer. But, you know, there has to be a better way. There has to be a way where I can do the work that I love, but also have the life that I love as well. Um, so what are some of the hot topics that come to light in when now or when the day? I don't want you to spoil it because, you know, people are definitely. Oh, no, that's fine. On the book <laughs> after this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely want to give people a taste of like what that looks like for them. What does it look like to start decreasing the amount of time that you spend on probably meaningless tasks? Yeah. So we focus on three things. We call your, uh, your team, your win team, your what is next team, your time and the toolkits. And so what happens with the team, people sometimes think they hire a VA and that's a team and it's really not. You take work, you hand it over to them and then you kind of check on it a lot. And that's really a parentified system. And that's what's happened out there in the bigger companies, the corporate world. It's like you're the parent, they're the child, you're the teacher, they're the student. And it just creates another lane for you to focus on and be distracted with. So 
a win team to me is they keep you in that 60% execution mode and as well as they have bandwidth on their calendar because as you create more things to move your business forward and more opportunities, they need to have space on their calendar. So really, I believe a team, a win team, they manage you versus you managing them. So that's something right off there that people don't understand. They think they have to do all this stuff. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me, a, a good example would be a, a client of mine came to me and she was an interior designer. And she's like, Chris, you don't understand. I go into a room and I see stuff and that's not something I can train. Nobody else can help me with that. It's this whole process, not just even my interior design training, but my eye and my vision, and my gift. Great. Okay, so we worked with her, um, and she was in our winner's circle, which you guys would love, and uh, we worked with her, and we started to sort of break things down, and she, you know, we, we helped her build her win team and all this other stuff, and a team can be one person, two people. It's really about the culture and the mindset. It's the power of that word, not just the position, but anyhow, moving the story along. She, uh, we asked her, how long does she take uh, to do an appointment? On average, it was two hours. Well, when we worked with her, there was some pre and post work that she didn't realize that she didn't actually have to do that she thought she had to do, that only she could do. So what happened was we were able to get her appointments down to like 40 minutes. And we relieved her of all this admin stuff that she thought was connected to her skill set. And this is a mistake most people make, but it wasn't. So moving the story forward, what was happening is then she started booking all her appointments in the mornings. And then in the afternoon, she started doing big speaking engagements, local te television show, podcasts, and she really became quite um, uh, an impact on her, like her, on her audience, uh, being on uh, being on stages with people from HGTV and big opportunities that she would be the first to tell you she wouldn't have been able to do in a million years. So she was another person that no, no, I have to do this, and it just wasn't the case. So that's the big lesson is how is this set up? Well, we talk more about your super toolkits and we can talk more about that, Angela, but those are some of the misconceptions about the work that you do. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I think, especially for solopreneurs, people who are just starting out, one, when I hear onboarding, what I hear is money. I have to pay someone else to do something that I'm perfectly capable of doing. I already have a workflow for. I know I want during a certain way. I know I want, you know, the system to personalized and I want it to, you know, fit my, my voice when I'm talking, you know, all these things that we think we need to be innately ingrained in, in the process of creating and running a business. And that can be overwhelming and time consuming because it takes a lot of reiteration, especially when you're the only one doing it, rather than having someone, like you said, that is managing you, that understands the process, can take care of that process without you looking over their shoulder. They can work autonomously from you. But again, better talent, like you said, something beyond a VA, something beyond an executive assistant costs money. So I think that's yeah, one hurdle. Yeah. But it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. I would tell you, if you can afford a bottle of water, you can afford help. We are living a magical time, a magical time. So like it is crazy affordable to bring on help. And I don't care if you were a millionaire. I wouldn't take you from somebody not no hours to 40 hours a week. So you might be starting on 15, 20 you know, hours, whatever. But the other thing too is, you know, here's a quick example. What, many years ago, and I went online long before anybody else, right? And but say 12 years ago, when I was still going to physical appointments as a marketing strategist, I was sitting there in the desk and I'm talking to somebody, making notes, doing all this stuff. And I would promise hand to God when I went back to my office, I would put these notes 
right into the, you know, the prospects file, like, okay, they want to do business with me. Here are the notes. Now, if I was lucky, I got to it Friday afternoon, but more often than not, it was like the next Friday. Now, sometimes they might call and my notes are kind of, they were meant for 20 minutes, not for two weeks. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are they saying? What if I misquoted them and it looked like I'm trying to swindle them or undercut myself? So I thought this can't be, and this was like 12 years ago. So the first outsourcer I hired was I found somebody I don't get it, but all she liked to do is transcriptions. That was it. She transcribed stuff and she was so fast. So I would just leave the meeting, sit in my car, talk on my phone and just go over the notes. It would take me like a minute. Now, some weeks I needed her for a lot of appointments, like four or five appointments. Some weeks I needed her for none, but the weeks I needed her for a lot, it cost me like 12 bucks. And here's the thing. Now there's apps for that. But it's an example of that got me all Friday afternoon back that relieved a lot of stress and it just solved a lot of problems. And I'm telling you, it's pennies, it's pennies to relieve you of this work because then it ties into what I call the three D's damaging overhead, diminished opportunity, delayed income and diminished opportunity. Damaging overhead is you when you're doing that, Angela, it's five, six, seven o'clock at night. You think, oh, it's cheaper to do it myself. If you could even sell anything, let's say for a hundred bucks, when you're doing that work yourself, you're billing your company a hundred bucks because you're not bringing in that hundred bucks. So you're damaging overhead. And then imagine delayed income. What does it cost you when somebody could have worked with you in January, but they don't connect with you until June because you're busy doing all that admin work and you're not out there getting new business. And what if they could have referred you to one person? And then diminished opportunity that hurts the most when somebody says, Oh my heavens, Angela, I wish we knew, I wish we knew you did that because we just hired somebody because you're missing the boat again. You're trapped in the web of admin. And not only is that painful, but what if they had referred you to one person or the lifetime value of that client? So it's really super expensive to be doing it all yourself. I, I would, I, it's a costly. No, you make a really good point. Um, especially with the three D's. I hadn't thought about it like that. But yeah, that is something to consider. It's like if I'm putting my time towards doing this thing that takes three hours, five hours, too many hours, what else could I be doing with that time in exchange for paying someone a certain amount of money to do this for me? Five, um, six, yeah. seven US dollars an hour. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. A lot yeah. of people we work with do come in and say, oh my gosh, okay, I couldn't afford this person and I didn't get a return on my investment because they don't know how to train, hire, and onboard. And when you're in the winner's circle, we do that first one for you and then we train you how to do it. But that's a big thing. People are like, oh, that didn't work out. So then maybe I need to spend more money or more money. And all of a sudden you're right. Like, oh, I don't get the return on my investment. I'm paying somebody 15, 20, 20 bucks an hour and I'm not getting all this work done. It's easier to do it myself. Yeah, that is expensive because you, that's not your jam. That's not what your zone of genius, you creating an infrastructure and bringing on a team is not your thing. And so many people just think, oh, I go from one client to 10 and somehow magically an infrastructure is going to fall in place that's going to protect me because otherwise you're just a sufferpreneur. You really don't have a business. Yeah, that's a good point to make. But again, like when people are starting out, I'm talking about creators, founders, nonprofit owners, whatever you want to, whatever your zone of genius is, right? Like I was not thinking anything about how to onboard somebody, how to offboard somebody, how to communicate and schedule meetings that are effective and plan meetings that are going to be effective and a good use of time. Those are not things that I just learned out of the gate. And quite frankly, I don't feel like there are a lot of resources on onboarding on certain HR and admin tasks outside of a traditional work company. 
no, you're right. I agree with you. That's why I'm here. And that's why people tell me every day, Chris, people aren't doing what you're doing. So when you work with us, like I said, we, we work with you and we say, okay, we take a look at what you need. And then we're not a hiring agency. It's just that we do that the first time. So there's no learning curve for you. And then we show you how to hire, train and onboard because we put an infrastructure in place, what we call our super toolkits. Now, super toolkits are kind of misunderstood as sort of being similar to SOPs, standard operating procedures. But standard operating procedures are never written by the end user. They're mostly written to cover liability and they're static in nature. So super toolkits really allow you to give you a formula, a blueprint, so that you can really just explode your profits and crush your demanding schedule on anything that you want to do. So yes, you don't want HR, you're thinking employee mindset, you don't want all that. You just want to outsource, bring one person on and have great success, accelerate your results, get to the real work. I mean, so many entrepreneurs, I mean, imagine if you picture these red jelly beans as like the real work. And if you're listening, just imagine a big jar of red jelly beans in your left hand. And you think, oh, that's the real work. That's the stuff I want to get to. That's where we can make the money. That's where we can have an impact on our audience. But for most entrepreneurs, they're trapped in in a big jar of whole different colors of jelly beans. And they have to dig out the red one and then they drop it and then they try to dig another one. So this is where most are. And, and you know what? It's hard and the overhead is expensive. And if you're going to do all this, you might've been better served to stay in a job because it would be less expensive and the stress wouldn't have been as bad. So there is an easier way, Angela, I swear, I promise you. I think a lot of people need to hear that because I think, and this, there is literally nothing wrong. Entrepreneurship, being your own boss, quote unquote, you always have somebody that you answer to, but entrepreneurship is not for everybody, right? And I think a lot of times people either stick with a full-time job or try it for a little bit and go back even after they've saved and planned and thought they had it all figured out and end up going back to a full-time job, a salary job, because they're like, okay, there's a lot of things I didn't anticipate. You know, there's a lot of things I didn't plan for. And finding help, outsourcing, understanding systems that are going to make them successful and building an infrastructure around them that's going to make them successful. That's not what people think about out of the gate. So when it comes to not just starting, but growing and scaling and diversifying, you know, those are whole different things to tackle. (laughs) Yeah, but when you're scaling, you can't get from one client to four. Scaling always sounds big and corporation and going from one million to three, but kind of like imagine if you had a house plant in your left hand and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, this is really great. I bought it. I feel really good about it. I kept it alive. You know what? I feel so good about this. I'm going to get another one. And then you really just feel like this is, I really am enjoying this and the experience of this and how good I feel, just the harvest. So you think, you know what I'd like to do? I would like to do this only in a farm capacity. So what's the difference between the house plant and the farm? It's volume. Isn't that interesting? And what makes that successful is the infrastructure in the middle. And so many people with their business, like the plants, one would die off and they run off to get another one and they get busy trying to make that plant grow and then keep it. So you're just sort of running around in circles, but you don't really have infrastructure that yields a great crop. So when you talk about scaling, people think, oh, scaling's when I'm making a whole bunch of money and now I want to make more. I want to go from 100,000 to 500,000. 
But in order to scale, you need to be able to go from one client to three and three to five. And what normally happens, you go from one to three back to two, and then you focus on one and then you need more business. And when you need more business, it's not the time to go look for new business. And then you're stressed and you're trapped in admin and you haven't been out to get new business in months because you don't have any infrastructure. You're just dealing with whatever crisis lands in your lap. So I get that you're not thinking about that. But the sooner you think about that is the sooner you start having a business that makes money or, I mean, that's the difference. That is the difference. You either run yourself out of business and time or you start building a business. And the only way to do that is, is to not be a hundred percent dependent on yourself. Otherwise you're just a self-employed sufferpreneur. It's just, you limit your capacity of income by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And that's a really good analogy with the plants. I'm not going to say how many plants I've killed. But that is not, <laughs> not an analogy for my business, hopefully. <laughs> well, no, it's not. But anyway, so when it comes to, let's say, early stage entrepreneurs who are maybe starting to run into exactly what you talked about in terms of being able to handle volume and building an infrastructure that allows them to create and generate income and generate revenue at an increased level and increased capacity, whether that's either more clients or more work with the clients they already have, whatever that looks like for people. What is maybe one or two pieces of advice you would give people in terms of reframing their mindset about how they should think about how they use their time and how they can use their time more effectively in the future? Yeah, I think we call them super toolkits. And in order to do anything effectively and consistently, you you have to, and people think that uh, constricts you and and limits your freedom, but it, it so doesn't, it frees you up like unbelievable because you're not looking at the ceiling, trying to remember that thing you have to do. And all of a sudden something pops up on your desk. Oh, I got to do that. So the human brain, if you have to remember seven things, you will usually remember four, but the big deal is you will rotate those four. You won't remember the four, the same four every time. So we have super toolkits that are just you know, allow us to ch check, 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 and just follow something really simple. So there's no memory. And what happens then is because you get attention residue and you get uh, decision fatigue. And that's by two o'clock in the afternoon, you've made all these decisions, you're running around and you know, your brain might start looking like this, but by 1130, it looks like that. And so what I would say is when you have super toolkits, which we teach you guys how to create those in the winner circle, then you can do something without it. Kind of think of it like your phone with all the apps open in your phone, it burns down your battery. So when you use or taught how to use super toolkits and create them in the winner circle, what that means is you can get work really efficiently out of the way and move on to whatever is your next level of creation. So you can be in execution mode 60% of the time instead of trapped in the web of admin. But I will give you this one little tip, although it's really hard, people kind of don't, when, when you're in a stressful state and you don't have a system at play, it's hard to buy into this because you're just running around trying to pick up all the balls that dropped all the time. But when you have to do something that requires concentration or focus um, or more brain power, that's what you should do first thing in the morning before your emails and all this other stuff. Like when I wrote my book, I wrote an hour every morning before I did anything else because that's when you have the most brain capacity. But when you don't have systems in play and then you just check your emails or running around trying to make sure that, you know, no one's mad at you, it's really hard to buy into that. So you do need that system to support you, which is the super toolkits. All right. Thank you for making that clarification. So people, business systems, priorities, and working with a clear head is what I'm hearing right now. 
Oh, man. Thank you so much, Chris, for joining me today and sharing your words of wisdom. For people that want to connect with you after listening to this awesome episode, where can they find you? Yeah, so reach out to us. Um, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. You can get some goodies at free gift, G free, F-R-E-E-G-I-F-T, free gift from Chris, K-R-I-S dot com. Um, there's some special stuff I put in there just for you guys. So you can check that out. Uh, but yeah, tell me you heard me on this amazing uh, episode, this podcast, and I would love to connect with you and tell me what's holding you up. I'll be happy to throw some, uh, some goodies your way. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you again soon, I'm sure. Thank you. <laughs>